morning. It's good. Um, it's good to be together this morning. Um, wow, what what a what a match last night. It was a really really hard fought game at the start, and then by the end of it, it was a bit of a whitewash, wasn't it? Um, Novak Djokovic played really well in the tennis. It was fantastic. It's a really good really good game. Hey. Um, this morning, we were just chatting as uh, Joe and I out the back and um, just recognizing that there's, there's lots of people who make Crossroads happen um, over the course of the weekend and, and during the week, um, but also recognizing there's lots of people who are sick at the moment. There's, a, there's obviously COVID and then there's a flu thing going around as well, and there's lots of people really unwell. Um, so I just want to thank the people who've stepped up at the last minute um, to step in and help um, make Crossroads happen. Really do appreciate it. Um, these, are, these are interesting times that we're living in uh, and recognize that there is a lot of sickness and stuff out there. So we really appreciate everyone who, who helps make it happen. Also, there is, there is more room for people to help. <laughs> we're always needing extras to help. So if you're available to help on a Sunday with, with coffee, with, with welcoming or anything like that, please come and see Joe or Laura. Um, we would love as many people as possible to help out. Recognizing that, um, yeah, there is, there is lots of people who are on mail at the moment. Um, and we do think of those people and we pray for those people um, as, as they recover from the sicknesses that are going around. It's, um, it's um, yeah, dear, dear knows where we'll end up. There is talk of level changes and stuff again in the future. Um, so we'll just keep an eye on all of that sort of stuff. But we just keep praying that, that um, those who are on well will, will, will be healthy again. Um. Who in here is, has ever taken a selfie before? Be honest. So good. Isn't it weird that taking a selfie is so common? Think about it. To take a picture of yourself is like totally normal. It's not even weird in the slightest anymore to do it in public. Like it's normal. If you look down the street or you're walking down the street and you see someone with their phone in front of them taking a picture, we don't even blink an eye at it anymore, do we? It's sort of just like this thing that happens, and, and, and it's, it's still kind of weird in my head, but at the same time, it seems to be pretty normal. You know, it's, it's totally appropriate to take selfies pretty much anywhere. Um, you, could, you could do it in cafes, restaurants, museums, um, anywhere. It, do, it just doesn't matter. Um, and, and there's no awkwardness attached to taking selfies anymore, and, and it just seems to be this thing that's, that's really normal. Even, even doing it by yourself is pretty normal these days because you've got lots of these filters and stuff that people use to, to take interesting and funny pictures of themselves. You know, the dog-eared ones and the tongue comes out and all that sort of stuff. Come on, we've all tried it. <laughs> but how on earth did this whole selfie thing come to be? Like, how, 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 how did selfies become a thing? So the first ever selfie was taken in 1839. While it was not termed a selfie back then, but this self-portrait self was taken by a guy called Robert Cornelius. He was an amateur um, photography enthusiast. He loved photography in Philadelphia. And, and he thought that he, what he would do, he would set up his camera, and he would run into the frame as quick as he possible, and then he would take this picture. He did all right, didn't he? Pretty good. Then in 1966, for a few years, the astronaut Buzz Aldrin, he, he took a picture of himself during the Gemini 12 mission, and it was the first ever selfie taken in space. Amazing. But however, this is where the word selfie came from. This will blow your mind this morning. So the word selfie was founded in 2002, when an Australian man called Nathan Hope got drunk on his 21st birthday, and he busted his lip, and he put up this uh, caption, 
Sorry about the focus, it was a selfie. And that's where the word came from. The very first time it was used was an Australian young man who got drunk on his 21st birthday and busted his lip and put a picture up. And in 2013, the word selfie made its way into the Oxford Dictionary. Okay? And the reason why I talk about this, in this day and age, it is totally normal to be, to be focused on self, isn't it? You know, the idea of taking selfies is to, to look at ourselves, to look at what's going on in our own lives. It's really common for us to see beautiful landscape or, or a beautiful object. And now to prove that we were there, what do we have to do? We have to stand in front of that object and take a picture of it. Because we have to be involved in, the, in, 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 in it to prove that we were actually there. You know, selfies are really important in this day and age, which is, which is crazy. So in a world that suggests that everything's about self... How do Christians respond to this? How do Christians respond to what Jesus said when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me? How do we respond to that? We're in our second week of the series, uh, The Cost, um, which is a series that looks at what, is it, what it is to follow Jesus, the cost of following Jesus. You know, gaining salvation is a free gift. But the cost of following Jesus can be difficult at times. So what we're going to do today, we're looking at, at what Jesus said in the book of Luke. And Luke continues this account of his ministry, the, the ministry of Jesus, um, attesting to what the, the apostles are teaching. And, and the, the purpose is, is to make it really clear and honest about the challenges that they're facing and living in a culture that often was very hostile towards the Christians. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Being a Christian wasn't the norm. Being a follower of Jesus wasn't the norm. And today, it seems more and more like it that being a Christian isn't the norm. It isn't the thing to do. But Jesus never once minimized the cost of discipleship. He never minimized the cost of discipleship in order to win more followers. He was honest about it. In fact, for many of them, the present life that they were, they were about to become into was much more difficult because of their commitment to following him. So in this passage, Jesus warns and encourages his disciples to prepare them for the significant trials that were ahead. But before he does that, he informs them about his own death and the resurrection. You see, Jesus knows that they will need to see his own sacrifice in order to grasp the true cost of following Jesus, the true cost of discipleship. So let me start with this. Because Jesus died for you, you should be willing to die to yourself and live for him. Because Jesus died for you, you should be willing to die to yourself and live for him. So let's look at the passage in Luke. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 21 to 27. This is what it says. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. And he said that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words 
The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. I'll leave it there. So let's firstly look at the death of Christ. The death of Christ. Jesus continues this conversation with the disciples in Philippi and, and Peter's just had this um, in a confession that the Christ is, uh, is the Christ of God, acknowledging Jesus to be this promised Messiah. And now they're following this warning not to tell anybody. If the disciples are beginning declaring that he was the Messiah, the Romans might have under, misunderstood what was going on and, and caused havoc. Jesus was warning them that now wasn't the right time to tell everyone about what was going to happen and who he was. Jesus informs the disciples for the very first time, he says, about his death and his resurrection. And you think about this, this would have been such a shock for Jesus' followers to hear about a man that they'd grown to love and trust and he was going to die. Jesus said he must suffer many things. As the only sinless human being, Jesus is the only one who could suffer on the behalf of others. And his suffering was shocking. It was so terrible. The prophet Isaiah said in, in chapter 53, he said this, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Our Lord Jesus suffered the punishment for the sake of others. And ultimately the suffering began at his birth. He had to humble himself from heavenly, uh, the heavenly glory and he came in, in the form of an infant. And Jesus tells us that he goes on to say that he will be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And these guys were the three groups of people that made up the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court. And Jesus knew that he would be despised and rejected by the Jews and out of envy for his popularity and the wisdom of Jesus, the religious leaders would go to every length to put the end to his ministry. Then ultimately, the climax of his suffering came with the humiliation would come under the hands of the Romans who would spit upon him, who would torture him, who would beat him, and ultimately crucify him. Think about the disciples hearing this for the very first time. The thought would have been completely unthinkable, wouldn't it? The crucifixion was such a cruel form of punishment that the Romans were not even allowed to execute in this fashion themselves. And for the Jews, it was considered a curse to be hanged on a tree. This was Jesus, our Savior. None of this seems to like just register with the disciples and how could it, how could they even fathom what was going on? What was about to happen? They saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And now he's saying that he's going to experience the worst possible death that ever was known. The physical torment alone is hard to imagine. People weren't meant to survive crucifixions. There was a guy, Patrice Tomeo, in, in, in the Dominican Republic, who did a mock crucifixion in 1973. He was trying to make a statement about for, for, for world peace by allowing himself to be crucified. And of course, he avoided the, the, the beating and the taunting that led up to Christ's crucifixion. And he went straight to being nailed on the cross with six-inch nails 
He planned to remain on the cross for 48 hours, but due to an infection in his foot, he asked to be removed after 20 hours. The newspaper headline read this, Crucifixion for Peace Falls Short. Falls short. Church, I don't want us to ever underestimate what Jesus went through for us. I think it's really important for us to be reminded by that. Our Savior died the most horrific death for the sake of others. That's the God we worship. That's the God who loves us. And thankfully, he does love us because there's beauty in this story. Out of all the hurt and the taunting and the spitting and the, and the pain and the agony, out of the love for his bride, Christ endured the pain and the shame of the cross to the point of death for each and every one of us. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he wonderful? Jesus doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't finish there with this explanation of his humiliation. No, he goes on to say that he will be exalted in his resurrection. Wow. Jesus was going to come alive again. Picture this from the disciples' perspective. That would have been such a relief as he was telling this story about how he's going to die. But he said, no, 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 I'm going, to, I'm going to rise from the dead again. There's going to be a miracle. Wow. Jesus expressed to all his disciples, but he was preparing them for the persecution that was going to come on them. And ultimately, this, this testimony here in Luke is the same for us. Jesus is saying to us that there's going to be suffering and hard times for us as well. But in the end, it'll be okay. He didn't want them to be caught off guard. They needed to know what was going to happen, that he was going to suffer and that he was going to be killed, but also that he would rise from the dead, victorious. And this would have been a, it would have been a scary time for them as, as followers of Jesus. They would have been distraught. They would have been confused. However, after the resurrection and, and, and the Pentecost, some of the apostles, obviously minus Judas, they're encouraged and empowered to proclaim the truth in the face of death. It is only because of the death of Christ, only because of the death of Christ, that we are willing to die to ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So that's looking at the death of Christ. What about this idea of death of self? Death of self. You know, while the disciples were still spinning from the shattering news that their Jesus was going to die, Jesus tells them that part of their responsibilities as disciples is to take up their own cross daily. Take up their own cross daily. Following Christ is not easy. And he gives three acts of discipleship. Firstly, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Christ's followers, that's those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who call ourselves Christians, no matter where you're at in the journey, Christ's followers are no longer to live for their own desires. Obedient followers of Jesus Christ understand the role of self-denial. We must forsake anything that might place him at the center of our lives. I have heard this talked about so many times in church. If you've grown up in the church, this is often talked about. But when you stop to think about what is in your life right now, I want us just to pause for 30 seconds and think about this. What is the one thing in your life that you could not give up? The one thing in your life that you could not give up. And I don't want to be too, too hard here, but I think if it isn't Jesus, we've got a question to ask. We've got a question to ask of ourselves. If it isn't Jesus, if it isn't following Jesus Christ, 
we need to understand what denying ourselves truly means. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, he says this, I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I think Paul truly, truly understands what Jesus did for him, right? Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul gets it. Paul understands what it means to die to self. So I ask that question again. What might be replacing Jesus in the center of our lives? What do we need to get rid of so that we can deny ourselves to follow Jesus? It's a serious question. I want us to think about it. So firstly, we're denying ourselves. Secondly, take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. So if they persecuted Jesus, they will also persecute his followers. Of course they will. In fact, many will be martyred for their Christian faith. And we have seen that. Revelation tells us about that. We've seen that already in, 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 in the New Testament scriptures. Last week, Isaac told us about the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And the story behind that and the family who ultimately martyred for their faith. We will have persecution. There is persecution for following Jesus in this world right now. We must have in mind how Christ was willing to empty himself of the heavenly privileges in order to come likeness in man and then to live obedient to the point of death on a cross. Suffering of this kind is Christian suffering. And Jesus gave us that example. Jesus gave us that example. Again, Paul writes in Philippians to the church, he says, you must have the same attitude, Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equally with God um, as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born of a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Church, taking up our cross daily means that we are going to come under persecution. We're not going to be the most popular people in the room. Because we're coming with a countercultural message that says that we don't need the world's pleasures, we need Jesus. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to stepping out in love with God and, and sharing that to others. There's a cost. And we have to do it daily. Each day we wake up, we lift up our cross and we follow Jesus. Deny ourselves and take up the cross. And thirdly, Jesus says, follow me. Do as I do. Follow me. Be like Christ. Are you willing to follow Christ regardless of the suffering that you might place in your, heart, in your lives? Unless we're willing to participate in the humiliation of Christ, understanding his death, we cannot participate in his exaltation. We have to identify with what Jesus did on the cross for us as important. So why bother dying to self if it's so hard? 
Why, why, why should we? <laughs> you know, what's it all about? You know, Jesus told us this, that you will save yourself if you do that. We should acknowledge that it is certainly possible to deny yourself for all the wrong reasons, just so you look good, just so everything's right here on earth. Does that sound like someone in the Bible? You know, the Pharisees had this hypocritical manner where they were chief deniers of self. They had great self-control. They were so good at it that they didn't think that they needed a savior. They were perfectly sufficient to, to save themselves by their good works. And they were just like their fathers where they were attempting to earn God's favor from fasting and tithing to the ninth degree. But it was all for nothing. It was all for nothing because they didn't make Jesus number one in their life. Do you see what we're saying here? They were receiving the reward on earth, but Jesus is calling us to be true disciples. It's much different. Jesus is, is asking for true conversion, the kind of conversion that is always associated with life that is transformed, not sometimes, but always. Christ is not merely this accessory that sits on our side and we turn to him every now and again and go, oh, isn't he great? No, 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 no. He's number one. He's center of our lives and that just oozes out of us. Whoever wants the most out of this life forfeits the interest of the life to come. We have to be focused on Jesus. Another reason is this, because Jesus said that there's no profit. There is no gain outside of salvation. There is no gain outside of salvation. You know, all for the joy of what this world has to offer, an eternity in hell is not worth obtaining. Oh, no, no, no. Separation from God is the opposite of what we get. If we don't follow Jesus, that's our eternity. That's the reality. And we can count the numbers of examples, even in, in this life, that there's no lasting satisfaction in the things of the world. No amount of money, no amount of fame will bring peace that a soul longs for. The only peace that can fulfill that is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was offered the very same thing with, with, with Satan in the wilderness, do you remember? He was offered all these different things, and he's like, no, 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 I have all I need. There's a certain tribe in Africa who elects a new king every seven years. And this tribe um, inver invariably <laughs> kills the old king off after seven years. This is how it operates. So for seven years, the member of the tribe gets everything, the absolute highest honor, they're provided with every luxury known to man. During these years, he has absolute authority over his people, meaning life and death. If he wanted to call for someone to be put to death, no problem. Nothing was ever a problem. For seven years, he rules. He is honored with gifts and possessions, but in the end, he dies. On the seventh year, the end of the seventh year, he dies. Every member of the tribe is aware of this. They, 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 it's been a custom that's been around for a long, long time. But here's the thing, they never, ever lack applications for the role. Never. They have a waiting list for the role. For the seven years of luxury and power, men are willing to sacrifice the remainder of their lives. That's a real picture of what's going on right now in this world, isn't it? This quick fix, this money, this fame, this this self-indulgent of, of trying to get the next person over. People here on earth are so interested in what the world has to offer that they're willing to ignore Jesus. 
They're willing to ignore Jesus, which means eternity with God forever, live forever in order to have a few years of pleasure and completely miss all God has for them, which is ultimately separation from God. There's no profit outside salvation. There's nothing to be gained outside of salvation. A life with Jesus is the best life. Another thing that Jesus says, if we are ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of us when he comes. Wow. You know, we might reveal our shame and the unwillingness to tell others and identify with Christ and his church. We might reveal our shame by keeping quiet when, when others promote sin and heresy. We just let it slip by. Or we might reveal our shame to Christ that, that when we act one way with our church friends and then when we're with our other friends, we don't act the same way around them. If we are ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of us when he comes. Jesus then goes on to conclude the conversation with another statement. Some of his own disciples would not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Which may be a bit confusing for him around this statement because the fact that Jesus already has talked about at length on multiple occasions about how the kingdom of God is already ushered in. In a sense, his kingdom is wherever his people are submitting to the Lord's sovereign reign. Wherever his people are together, worshiping him, the kingdom of God is there. And the ministry among his disciples is already proven that the kingdom of God has been introduced. The kingdom of God is here. However, the future kingdom that Jesus is talking about in this part is that it's promising of him coming again. In the next phase of the redemptive history and the part of the, the resurrection, after the resurrection is the return of Christ. He specifically mentions that he is coming in glory. Jesus will come again. And we will be held accountable to what we've done for him. We will be asked the questions around, did you deny yourself? Did you take up your cross? And did you follow me? We will. It's important to understand that. And the next... Uh, the very next passage occurs eight, um, eight days after these conversations, the inner circle. We have Peter, James, and John with all the witnesses of Christ and, and the glory at the transfiguration. And they see a glimpse of Jesus in his glorified state. Jesus will come again. Jesus will come again. I invite the team to come and join us. I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Because Jesus died for you, are you willing to die to yourself and live for him? Because Jesus died for you, are you willing to die to yourself and live for him? The suffering of Jesus on our behalf motivates us to endure the suffering with him. Philippians 3.10 says this, I, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Are we willing? Are we willing? Are we, going to, are we willing to deny ourselves? Are we willing to take up our cross? And are we willing to follow him? Would you stand with me while we pray? Let's just bow our heads as we talk to God. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the, the mighty work of Jesus on the cross.
the pain and the suffering that he endured for our sake. Father, you were having this conversation with your followers and and you simply asked them to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow you. This morning, Lord, I feel that you're asking us of the same question. And it's now time for us to give you our response. Lord, in a world that has a lot to distract and a lot to put in front of us, um, we don't want to use that as an excuse. What we actually want to say is, Lord, we're willing to put everything aside so that we can follow you. Whatever the cost. Lord, my prayer this morning is for us here in in the building, for us online as well, to, to consider these things. So that every day that we wake up, we take up your cross and follow you. We deny ourselves. Put Christ at the center of our lives. So that we can be the people you called us to be. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. We love you. And we thank you for what you've done for us. And what you're going to do. This morning, Lord, we act um, with a heart of surrender to you. We come to you and hand everything to you and ask you, Lord, to guide us and direct our path. And Holy Spirit, lead us in the way that you want us to go. But as a way of response, Lord, may we confess this morning and come before you and set our hearts on the things above. Take our eyes off the things of the world and put them all on you. May you be the center of our focus you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy we love you Lord Jesus we give you the praise and the honor and the glory amen amen I'd like to offer um, an opportunity for us to pray with you this morning if you're in a space where you would like some prayer then we would love to pray with you during the next couple of songs and at the end of the service as well and I, um, I really pray that there is a time for us to really consider those things. Is, is there something in our life that is blocking or sitting in the way of us to, to having a true relationship with Jesus Christ? And each one of us are the only ones who can answer those questions. I can't answer it for you, <laughs> but you can. So as we consider, as we worship God through song, I pray that you consider these things. Are you willing to deny yourself? Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus.